You're listening to the North Peace Roundtable Podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. Uh. Uh. I'm still I'm still surprised you haven't just recorded yes. that and like it's made a lot it so easier just... to just try and remember every single time. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 74 of the North Peace Roundtable Podcast. My name is Andrew. With me, as always, is Corland. Hello, hello. And today, for a limited special time, the one, the only, Pastor David Hildebrand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm bowing. You can't see it. (laughs) So, uh, for those of you who don't know, who are you, David, and why are you here? Great Who question. is your daddy and what do um, you do? I don't actually know either of these people. I was walking down the street <laughs> yeah. and they were like, hey, you, can you come in here and record something? I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, yes, my name is uh, David Hildebrand. So I'm the lead pastor of a church in Dawson Creek. And uh, it, we're called Creekside Fellowship. And we haven't actually officially started yet. So we are in the process <laughs> of, uh, of training up a launch team and uh, building some fellowship. And we'll be officially launching uh, this fall, September 11th, with some preview services starting July 17th. So that's... A little bit about me, but Sweet. I don't think this podcast is supposed to be about me. This is, yeah, no, not at yeah, all. Yeah, uh, but that's who David is. If you don't know, for our uh, six listeners who uh, <laughs> are like our couple David? of super fans, <laughs> yeah, our super fans. But uh, today's topic is kind of a uh, hot button Ooh. topic, yes. and so David comes into town uh, when we have an elders meeting at night, and he kind of spends the day here. And so we said, "Hey, you're here. Let's." throw you under the bus yes, and uh, talk about kind of a, that could be a controversial topic. Now, we want to talk about women in ministry and kind of the church's, you know, our view on that. And the reason that we want to talk about it is because it's it's been uh, brought up a bunch of times lately. There was, you know, some people who are like, what, what is our view on that? Or mm-hmm. like, well, I've read in the Bible that women aren't supposed to talk in church, so why are they talking? Or, like, just honest questions. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And going, um, what, what, is the, what is the biblical view about, you know, can women... Why, why are uh, only men on the elders' board? Why is that a thing? Like, yeah. you know, and so we want to just uh, answer those questions. What is the biblical view? What is our interpretation? Like, where do we land uh, on women in ministry? So... Uh, where to begin? <laughs> so I guess if we would just, if you want to use labels, there would probably be like two main camps. In, yep. And and I hate when people are like, it's a spectrum, man. But kind of, right? Use it's, a pendulum. It, it, yeah. Uh, but you would have complementarianism and egalitarianism. Right, uh, and so I don't know. One of you want to walk us through what is it? What is a complementarian, David? Good question. So someone who would uh, again, labels aren't always helpful, but they can yeah. be helpful in regards to just distinguishing what it is not. So mm-hmm. complementarianist or someone who would label themselves a complementarian, they would probably believe, or I guess if they would label themselves as that, they would believe that. Uh, <laughs> yes. labels is like, no, I'm just not a huge fan of labels, but that's okay. Complementarian would mean that they believe there's distinctions between men and women, and that those distinctions complement each other to best reflect the glory of God. Okay. And that would be an in-general statement, correct? That would be an in-general statement. And so there's some specifics um, in which how that plays itself out within the the local church context and within the home. Um, I think we'll probably get into that as we go. Uh, The contrast to that would be egalitarianism, which would say that no, men and women, uh, they don't have those particular distinctions in the home or in the church, that they both can do all the functions and roles and are designed by God very uh, in the same way in, the, in that regard. So I'm uh, trying to be very fair to, to both camps wherever you kind of land yeah. in that regard. Yeah, that's good. Because, yeah, a lot of times um, we throw stones at the other side and, like, present caricatures of, like, yeah. they're all just radical feminists or whatever. It's like, <laughs> well, not necessarily. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, not helpful. Um, so, yeah, I like... Um, David, that you said, uh, yeah, there's like how it plays out in the home and how it plays out in the church. Yeah. And I think everyone around this table would be some kind of complementarian, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And yet we have uh, egalitarians in our church that kind of think differently. Uh, we would call them heretic. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we would call them. Monkey. I'm just kidding. But we want to ask, like, we're going to dive into a few passages. Uh, that if you just read them kind of surface level, it can be very confusing or cause some like damage if if you don't 
take the full context. So I don't know where you want to start first. What would be a good I, place to start? I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm almost thinking it'd be a good idea to start in Genesis when man and woman are created. Just as like, if we're, if we're talking about baselines and we're talking about a, a base of what we mean by certain terminology, I think it'd be good to start with a base of why men and women were created in the first place uh, so that we can kind of see that continuity throughout scripture so that we can actually build a full picture instead of just, you know, hopping into a random place in history and, and trying to guess what an author meant by one end of a telephone call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's helpful because several of the passages that we're going to look at are going to root their argument in creation itself. So yeah. it's probably helpful to, to yeah. start there. Yeah. So if you read Genesis 1... Um, 26. Verse, yeah, verse 26 uh, talks about the creation of men and women. And then Genesis 2 is kind of like a more detailed, you know, because it's a, a slightly different account. Uh, so Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over um, the livestock and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So in that passage, you see that both men and women are created in the image of God. There is no distinction when it comes to like worth, value, imageness. That's not a word, but like it's not like, oh yeah, men are creating God's image and women aren't. Only kind of created. Yeah, yeah. it's like, no, God, it says God created mankind. He created male and female, uh, both in his image. So you kind of, that's really important because. Mm-hmm. Uh, both male and female represent God. They're created in his image. There is dignity and worth and value in mm-hmm. males and females, not one above the other. Mm-hmm. And then you get to Genesis 2, and you see, like, uh, I don't know, if you want to call Genesis 1 the 30,000-foot view, and then Genesis 2 is kind of, like, zoomed in, and you read about God creating man of dust from the ground, breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, the man becomes a living creature. And so God, I'm just paraphrasing now, God takes him, puts him in the garden, um, gives him the command, you know, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then God looks at uh, this man, just Adam, alone, and he says, that's ah, not good that you're alone. And I'm going to make a helper fit for him. And so then it talks about None of the other created animals, birds, fish, like nothing was a um, a good fit for Adam, right? It wasn't like, oh, yes, this cat, that will be a perfect fit for Adam. Well, cats are evil, so that's not true. <laughs> Definitely not a cat. True statement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so finally, yeah, God puts Adam to sleep, takes, you know, his side, part of his rib, and makes, and it says the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then Adam's like, this is it. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Way better than a cat. Way better than a cat. (laughs) (laughs) The cat scratched me. (laughs) But it's like, this is it, right? This is the person, this is the helper. This is the one that's actually a fit for me. And then you get the the classic uh, wedding thing. A man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife and become one flesh. Yeah. I, something that I'd like to point out in this uh, that I think is really cool, and actually I do think it is pretty key to understanding the rest of, of uh, men and women's roles throughout Scripture, is is the fact that women are literally a godsend for man, meaning like like man was unable to fulfill entirely what he could, what God had called him to do without woman being there. There was no helper fit for him. He needed someone different than himself to help fulfill that role and have yeah. proper dominion over the world and stuff. So I, I think it's quite interesting to see that that man was in some ways in, well, not just some ways, in need of woman, right? Otherwise, God wouldn't have created someone different than man. So I think that's important to, to recognize that there's yeah. there was a need for this, right? Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, there's a lot more text here that that it would be great to jump into <laughs> to, to really understand the fullness of why we'd say there's distinction between man and woman. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think a key part of that is the fall and everything that happens. But I think a lot of people point towards the 
the helper. They say like, mm-hmm. oh, well, well, Eve was, was made as the helper for man. And so, um, and there's probably a little something there you can, you can take from that. But mm-hmm. I think it's less of a slam dunk than most complimentarians <laughs> think. We're like, yeah, boom, what up? Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't think so. I think there's a much stronger case in creation here where we see both um, a consistent ordering within the passage. And that ordering mm-hmm. is, uh, so man is created first and then woman. Um, we have the uh, temptation, which reverses the order, and man's passivity takes place. And so we have mm. Eve taking the fruit first, and then man. So the serpent approaches Eve rather than Adam. Uh, we see that in who God seeks out in the garden after. Yes. Um, he yep. seeks out Adam, the one who is ultimately yeah. responsible. Uh, we see the way in which he... Uh, uh, if you... Let me just bring up the text here. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Um, the way he uh, brings about the actual discipline and punishment and the order that that takes place. Yep. Like all these, and there's several other in there. I'm just, you know, we need some more time to actually jump into the text in its entirety. But, but there's so many aspects into which the order of things is important within those first couple chapters that is, is quite clearly saying that there is a difference between man and woman and their roles. Now, again, equality, absolute equality in the image of God. But the roles and the functions that they will play, even as, it, as the discipline, kind of the punishment for that sin and rebellion is laid out, it's different mm-hmm. between the man and woman and how it will affect each of them. Mm-hmm. These things are, are important factors as we're looking towards what Paul is going to say um, in some of his writings mm-hmm. and how he roots the difference between man and woman. So would you, would you say that uh, our roles don't affect our equality at all? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. We are equal before God, man or woman created in his image to reflect his glory, uh, period. Yes. I think too, what throws some people is, yeah, the phrase helper seems like, I don't, and I don't know. We just kind of assume, well, if the role is different, that means like the value is less than must be different. Yeah. Well, the Holy Spirit's called helper and stuff so you yes, watch totally. like, yes. you're like oh yeah. helper Blech. yeah it's, like, it's well, true well, it's god so watch yeah. out <laughs> yeah and yeah. also it's it's uh man was in need of god to send him this helper meaning that that help has got to be pretty intense and pretty good yeah. right it's not it's not a less than it's that they like man needed god to intervene for this help to even be there which mm. means that it's it's more than just a servant type helper in the yeah. sense of like our our modern culture's attitude towards that word yeah. Yeah, so I think when you read Genesis 2 and 3, you do see... Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you do see, like, equality of worth, value, dignity, both made in the image of God, and yet you just... It's it's hard to deny, like, a difference in, like, roles. It's very, I, I think, because, yeah, you see Adam and Eve being, like, doing different things. And like you just said, David, David, um... Adam is kind of held responsible for what happened, even though it's like, what? I didn't even really do it. It's not my fault. And I mean, he blames Eve. <laughs> Classic man. And, yeah, yep. it wasn't me. Yep. It was the woman. Yep. Thanks a lot, God, for this woman. <laughs> Honey, where'd you put my keys? As you put them down on the counter. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, the punishments kind of all reflect these things. So I, I think it's, it's, in my eyes, it's very easy to see that men and women are different. <laughs> right? Well, even and, in our own marriages, we would see that. Yeah, and... Just because I have a different role than my wife or a man has a different role than a woman, it that in no way says like as men we are better than you. No, there's like there's no room for that in yeah. Christianity. Um I think I think it's also important just as we're broaching this topic of the difference between man and woman that we need to address um, our cultural understanding that gender is now fluid. Yes. So we yeah, would, yeah. I mean, this also would speak against that. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole nother conversation and topic in and of itself. So we're kind of presupposing here that, that gender is not fluid, that scripture does speak specifically to a yeah. man and a woman as being created by God in his image as that particular sex. Yeah. And yeah, we, uh, another podcast. <laughs> approach those, that you're, other not, aspects, you're not wrong. It is something important, important to, to, to state. Yeah. Okay, so let's then, okay, so if we're saying that Genesis 1, 2, and 3 kind of lay this groundwork for difference in roles between men and women, let's first address uh, in the home, looking at Ephesians 5, and then let's address uh, in the church, looking at some of those passages that have been brought to me recently, going like, what? How do we make sense of this? Sure. So we would say that in the home, um, 
men and women are given different roles. Um, I I think depending on uh, like historically, it's been it has been it's been abused one way or the other. Where it's like, nope, women, you're only you're only useful for cleaning the house and making dinner. That's your job. And it's just kind of like, well, maybe, but. <laughs> and then yeah, men, yeah. you don't have to do any of that because your job is to like hunt and gather and provide, and mm-hmm. you don't have to do any housework or anything. Like that's like the woman's job. Uh, there's a there's a beard hair. Oh boy! <laughs> here, also, I'll, I'll talk about you. Uh, clean yeah. out the beard hair. David, here. take over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, there are cultural aspects involved with what we're going to talk about here, mm-hmm. right? So when we're looking at an agrarian culture, we're talking about where the man would be out the entire day in the field doing a variety of things. And as well, the woman would be out often doing specific things around the home, but outside sometimes helping in some of the field work, but often would be mostly in the home because the man's gone. So she's yeah. child rearing. Now we live in a society that is not agrarian for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. culturally, some of those things should sh- are, are shifting and that's uh-huh. not a bad thing. Culture shifts and it changes and God is God. Uh, and his scripture and his word remains fast. So, but we do need to ask the question, so, so what parts of these things are not cultural mm-hmm. and what parts mm-hmm. of these things um, must be retained? And so that's why we went to creation first to say, yep. okay, this is part of the creative order. It's not just a cultural thing. Yeah. So when we're looking at something like Ephesians 5, um, we see Paul, what he's going to do is he's going to begin to speak to some of maybe the differences between a man and a woman. And this is going to get a little bit spicy here. So hold on. If you don't like what we say immediately, just wait. It's going to uh, just wait on. Wait, wait, wait. Because it's going to, uh, we're going to explain a whole bunch of this. Okay. <laughs> so just bear with us, whatever camp you're in. Okay. Because uh, like we said, this can be abused on both sides. And, yeah. and often, and we know our culture is swinging hard one way to say, oh no, not only is there no difference in gender or anything, that women should do everything a man should do and a man should do everything a woman should do. I actually don't hear the second one that much. But I, I don't. Yeah, no, you don't yeah. no. But it's, it's more the, the leadership and authority that often has been um, given to men and so women should have a, the ability to have all those in all aspects. And so we're going to speak to some of that. We're going to see what Paul has to say here as we jump into God's word in Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want me to read that? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, go okay. for it. So we start off here. He's addressing wives and husbands. Again, he's talking to the Ephesian church, which has some, some amount of dysfunction within it. And so we're, he's addressing some of that here. Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to continue in a bit here. But as we look at that word submit, like it just makes our skin crawl. Like in general, just even like men and women, we're just like, ooh, submission. I don't like that. I do not like that idea. So, but before we kind of just say, I don't like it because my experience says that it's bad, (laughs) or maybe my flesh says it's bad. Let's let's see where he roots it. So here Paul's not rooting it in creation itself necessarily. Here he's rooting it actually as an image of Christ and the church. Hmm. So again, even if you can somehow push back against everything that we kind of talked about there very briefly in Genesis, you still have to wrestle through how does he link Christ and the church? He's mm-hmm. saying, oh, like a husband and a wife yeah. are like Christ and the church. As Christ is the head of the church, so a husband is the head of the wife. How do you dismiss that and say there is no deference in role? It's, I think it's pretty hard. You've got to, to be do honest. a lot of dancing around. You do. And there's other texts where he's going to bring this up as well. Um, but I just want to... Actually, do you have any thoughts on that for? I'm, I, there's one thing I want to mention. I'm just going to go into it. So, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. I think that a lot of our pushback towards that idea of submission comes because we've seen submission abused. Yep. Um, and by that, I mean those in authority abuse those who must or are submitting. Yeah. And so our natural inclination, I mean, our flesh is sinful. So we're like, we automatically don't want to submit even mm-hmm. to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm. apart from that, we have the reality that submission, when we think of it, we think of the person who has the quote unquote authority or is in charge, that person can do whatever they want and they can abuse whoever they want below them uh-huh. because they have the power, yeah. right? The person who is up has the power. The headship is the power. And then everything else, they just have to listen to that person. They have to submit in some way, no matter what. Now, 
is that what's being said here? Is mm. what's being said that like wives just have to listen to no matter what the husband says in any sort of way. Mm. Let's keep reading and say what it says about the husband to help frame this for us. Yeah. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her and having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, oh, sorry, sanctify, I skipped a line there. So he might uh, (laughs) present the church to himself in splendor uh, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. So what we see here is, okay, so yes, the wife is to, in some way, which we're going to unpack, submit to the husband in the home. But what's the husband supposed to do? Is he lord it over? Is he abusing authority? Is he taking charge and just forcing everyone to fall in line? No, Mm -hmm. he's dying to himself. Christ is the model. So Mm -hmm. the, the model of leadership is absolute giving up of oneself and one's rights and everything yeah. to see the other person flourish. Yeah. So the question here would be to, to husbands who might be listening to this and they're thinking, yeah, complementarianism, this gives me the ability to be in charge. Yeah, that's a huge is responsibility. Your, yeah, is your wife flourishing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's your responsibility in Christ to lay your life down, lay your hobbies down, lay your interests down, lay your time, lay your money, your lay desires, all that stuff everything. down. Lay it down that she would flourish in Christ. Mm-hmm. I love the little proverb that he puts just at the end in verse 29 there uh, for no, or sorry, not verse 29, uh, just at the end of what you're reading, just before verse 29, Mm -hmm. he who loves his wife loves himself. Mm -hmm. Like what, what more evidence do you need that that's our call is to love our wives Mm -hmm. as we've loved ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's putting other people first. I, I think even just on a really practical level, it's really easy at least in my opinion, it's really easy to read scripture in this in this way and see this and and know what we're called to do. Mm. But practically, how have you guys seen this play out in your lives? Is there actual physical evidence to what's being said here, or are we just pulling something out of thin air to try and say what we want to say? Because I have noticed in, in my marriage already, I've been married a short like two and a half years, and already I have noticed that oftentimes when I'm being selfish, there is more quarreling that is pointless because it's selfish, right? Mm. From my end, and let alone whatever my wife is working through, right? But in the times where I've I've specifically uh, chosen to to sacrifice, self-sacrifice, it can be something small, like how a towel is folded. All right, fine, let's fold the towels your way. Let's let's put the laundry away the way you want to. Mm-hmm. But it could be something it's the right way. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. Or or it could be something big like like uh Aaron and I, we when we brought Gemma home fairly early on, we decided to let Gemma sleep outside of our room. And that was a really tough thing for me, but I also knew Aaron needed her sleep. So we had like, it's not just easy things. Have you guys also seen evidence of when you submit your desires in healthy ways, obviously having conversation and stuff, but when you submit and, and, and sacrifice what you guys want to see come out, have you seen that love work out then? No, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I wanted to, a couple of things. Yeah, I think I'm glad that you clarified, David, because I I have heard um, even men in our church who are kind of like, me being the head of the home means I just get to make every decision and tough luck. Like, I just get to do whatever I want. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they don't say it like that, but that's essentially how they live. And I've heard um, people are like, yeah, I, I let my wife know what she's allowed to wear or not. And I'm like, well, I think you're, you're maybe going a little bit overboard. Like, yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. Yes, what, definitely overboard. I was going to say, I'm, those just, who are like, definitely yeah. overboard. I'm trying to be like yes. sensitive. <laughs> yeah. You're being a ridiculous fool. Yes. <laughs> so that can't be what it, what it means yeah. that, you know, my wife submits to me, meaning she's never allowed to make a decision. She's never allowed to do anything. I just, I rule the house. And so I think that that's why a lot of people then push back because that's been their experience. Yeah. Like either my dad was like that, my, my husband's like that, and we go, well, then I want nothing to do with that. But that's not a proper view of Ephesians 5. Mm-hmm. And you're right, David, like the, the husband's call, uh, and it's not who's, it's harder. I was going to say, it's not who 
it's no, worse like they're or both better. difficult but man yeah. like the husband's yeah. like yeah you remember how jesus like was nailed to a cross you need to die for your wife like that and it's yeah. like oh man that's yeah so and, any, and any it's guy, responsibility yeah right? any like, guy that reads ephesians 5 and is like woohoo yeah. yes i get to well then you, no, you didn't keep reading <laughs> yes. okay you need to keep reading brother because yeah. you're not you're not getting to the part yet where you die yeah um, so and, yeah and so in my own marriage we've been married uh, 11 years and yeah i think it is a lot of me having to die to myself to serve my family um molly makes decisions it's it's not that mm-hmm. of course she does so i think it's such a bad trans like a, a bad understanding when it's like well if i'm supposed to submit then i never say anything and i never make decisions i'm like that's not what it's saying at all even how i like how paul ends this whole passage let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband Mm -hmm. so there's an element in our marriage where my wife knows that as a man i i enjoy sounds so weird but i i need respect yes it's important as a man to know that, hey, my wife actually like really mm-hmm. respects me. And more so than it's like, than my wife's need for love. My wife, for, for me to go to Molly, like, hey, I really respect you. She's like, well, thank you, but that does nothing for me. Yeah. <laughs> but when yeah. I'm like, I love you, honey, and I love yeah. this about you, she's like, oh, that's amazing. And is so, that, is that what she sounds like? <laughs> that is a perfect <laughs> Molly impression. Oh, yeah. that's amazing! <laughs> In retrospect, we probably should have had a woman on this one as well, just yeah, to be honest. Just to be honest, have. a bunch of three dudes be like, "This is what we think about women." Yeah. So that's a fail on our part. Um, so, can I say one thing there? Just yes. in regards to the idea of submission, and and we we need to remember that as the man, so there is some sort, and we'll get into it, but some sort of responsibility that lies on the shoulders, as we saw with Adam, mm-hmm. um, for the home, as we're going to get to, the church. That should be a weighty thing. Yep. Yes. That no man should be like, yeah, it's awesome, look at me, I get to say this and that, and my wife has to obey. Okay, well, you're already abusing the text in a whole bunch of ways. Yes. But even beyond that, like you do not understand the weight of responsibility that when you see Christ, yeah. he will hold mm-hmm. you responsible for the way you led your family. Yeah. That's on your shoulders. That yeah. should terrify us. Yeah. It should yeah. make our knees shake. The fear of the Lord should be in us in that regard. Yeah. And it should make us sacrifice all the more mm-hmm. for our wives who we must see flourish. And so much of that is how we lead. And so you were talking about, Coraline, about the, uh, with your wife and, uh, you know, with the baby and so like that's yeah. kind of like reversed in my family. My wife was like, I don't want to, this, you know, I don't know, it was 10 years ago when my, my son was, my son was a baby and, and we're kind of doing the whole night training and everything. Yep. And, and my wife was like, no, I can't leave. And I like literally stood in front of the door in our bedroom and be like, no, yeah. you cannot go. I love you. We must do this. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's, and so, but there have been so few times in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife, and you see guys talk about this. My wife is a complementarian. Yes. Right? So there's, there's yep. many strong, biblically informed, wonderfully healthy, joyful women yeah. who are complementarians. Yes, totally. It's not just like a bunch of dudes who are like, meh. My wife would say very clearly, I wish she was here to, to speak on this, that she thrives when I take some form of spiritual leadership in the home. And yeah. I'm like, yes, let's read the Bible yeah. and dinner kids. What do you think? When she, That burden's not just placed on her in yeah. the home. And I take that and then I engage her. And I, what have you been reading, sweetheart? And let's pray together that she mm-hmm. comes to life. Yeah. That's what we're talking about yeah, here. Yeah, not totally. some sort of ordering around. It's not yes. who does the finances in your home. No, who cares? Yeah. Whoever's gifted in those yeah, areas, yeah, awesome. Totally. Oh, who does this function or that function? Yeah. No, we're talking about who's leading yeah. the family in the spirit spiritual yep. realm and that's and that's going to look slightly different on in every family depending yeah. on your circumstances but yeah there yeah. should be some level of responsibility and leadership given by the man yeah well so, said uh, a couple of things i wanted to say when you're talking about the weightiness of it um it just reminded me of um first peter three where uh peter says to husbands live with your wives in an understanding way Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, which we're not going to focus on that right now. <laughs> Since they're heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Mm. So Peter's just like, hey guys, if you don't live with your wives in an understanding way and show honor to them, like God's not going to listen to your prayers. Yeah. Like that's pretty, that's it's pretty terrifying. heavy. Yeah. That's yeah. terrifying to yeah. go like, if I actually abuse authority, 
and don't live in a, in a way that honors my wife, God is, this is my paraphrase, God's basically saying like, Andrew, don't bother praying to me because I'm not going to listen to you. It's yeah. like, whoa, that, yeah, yeah. That should like, yeah, make your knees quake going like, this is not a yeah. light thing to be like, yeah, I can do whatever I want. Make it's me like, a sandwich. It's like, eh. You no. should be in fear of the weighty responsibility, like a healthy yeah. fear of God yeah. saying, okay, this is a, this is a huge responsibility. It is. And then I like that you said like, who does the finances? Who cares? Because it's true. I think we get caught up in the weeds so much. I literally, I think it was yesterday, watched a clip of some guy in the States and I don't, it, you know, you talk about complementarian. I think he would be like patriarchal yep. mm. but they were literally having a conversation about who should do the cooking <laughs> and he was like convinced that it's the woman's job yeah. and, <laughs> and then they got into all of these avenues of like well what happens if you go to a restaurant and a man cooks you food yeah. literally <laughs> and oh, I was sitting there going goodness. like oh my goodness who cares if you're a husband and you like to cook then cook that literally has nothing to do with yes, amen. The Bible, yeah. <laughs> just no, cook, just cook, clean. Do my wife you want. doesn't want me to cook because it's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. And I was thinking, like my wa- my my wa- my wife, <laughs> my wife uh, loves to bake, yeah. but she I probably cook eighty five percent of the dinner dinners because I really enjoy it. Actually, yeah. I'm like I like doing it. Yeah, it's same fun. Here. And so, but for this guy's mind, uh, no, you're the man. You're not supposed to do that. And yeah. I'm like, but literally nowhere in the Bible does it it say that. He he quoted um, Titus, I believe, when it was like, woman, uh, older, work at home. But that was his thing. See? Yes. See right there. All yeah. housework is so woman. You, so you build an entire theology yes. around the misunderstanding of one particular yeah. cultural text. Totally. And... That's often the way these things fly out of proportion and then people start to have misunderstandings yeah, and, they, totally. and all these things because you don't understand that what you're doing is attributing something cultural to the gospel, which yes. is quite a sketchy thing to do. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, so I think uh, we don't want this to be like a four-hour podcast. Yes. Don't, right? So uh, we don't? Corlin's like, <laughs> I got all day. I'm just the youth guy. <laughs> oh, sing! Uh, that's true. Just kidding. What, what did you say? Was it you that said that? So like besides like... What yeah, else? yeah, that was him <laughs> this yeah. morning. Yeah, so yeah like, I just slammed him this morning. Like, yeah. what else do you do? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, in the home, I would say our understanding of Ephesians 5 and Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is that husbands are given like an extra weight of responsibility to lead in their home to, I heard one guy say, you know, set the spiritual climate in their home, like Mm -hmm. lead in in those areas by uh, laying down their lives, by putting down, uh, putting aside their wants, their needs, their hobbies, and saying, I'm going to, Give my life to help my wife and kids flourish. Totally. Fair? So, I, can I jump in there for one yes. sec? So, the where we just have to be clear is that in our current day and age, uh, we're dealing with a massive issue of because there's so much confusion about what it is to be a man and a woman, where men are being encouraged to be far more passive than they should be, yeah. and women being encouraged to take all extent of leadership possible that they can grasp sure even at the cost of their own joy now so what we're we speak clear here as we're talking about these topics does this mean that if there's a man in a relationship who refuses to take spiritual authority in the home that the woman should sit idly by no by no means right like she should take the reins and be like if you're not willing to do this i'm going to pray for you i'm going to engage with you i want to bring you in please lord but she's not going to sacrifice her relationship or her family's yeah. and her children's relationship with Christ because yeah. she has a man who is not operating biblically. Yeah. Right? Like my wife is the number one proponent of pushback in my life. Like I bring something to her, she's not just like, yes, I submit. She's a wonder <laughs> she's a wonderfully amazing godly wife in every way. Okay. Yeah. She's unbelievable. Yeah. But she is godly enough that she knows she needs to put back, push back on me because I'm a sinful man. Yeah. So I might be like, hey, like, what do you think about this? Ooh, I don't know if that's actually the right approach. Oh, okay, can you, like, let's talk about this, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I wish I was always that gracious. Sometimes I'm like, what? Yeah, what, are you like, talking, what are you talking about? That doesn't sound like David. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah. oh, geez, tell me more. Let's <laughs> da- talk about How this. dare you? <laughs> tell uh, David would be like, <laughs> We might have a karate chopping contest. You know, it might happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but all, all I'm saying, I just want to make clear that as we continue to dive into this topic, because it is such a touchy one, 
realizing that we're talking about the ideal here yeah and many people don't operate in the ideal sure but, but the goal isn't to try to usurp any kind of headship the man might have under christ or like any type of uh, responsibility that's his but there might be instances in which you need to press into the things of god if your husband refuses to do so mm-hmm. yeah but it's not because you want control your longing would be that that he would operate in a biblical manner totally yeah. and that can go all over the place both roles can get like it can oh, get yeah. a little messy, right? We're, yeah. we're we're sinful people, and so yeah. that's kind of maybe even a, an entire other conversation. We got like eight podcasts <laughs> right? coming out of this one. Okay, so then, uh, yeah, like we we said, you could you could talk way more about in the home, and yep. you know, even what you asked, like how does that play out? And we gave maybe a couple examples, but then you talk about the church, and uh, and specifically, I guess the topic was you know women in ministry, but I think. Before we press record, David was like, well, you got to talk about both because it kind of goes together. You can't. Yeah. yeah. Right. So specifically women in ministry, like, you know, some would say, um, nope, pastors, elders uh, should be men only. And some would say, you know, if you're more of an egalitarian church, well, it doesn't matter. You can do whatever. Like, because there's there no, is di- no, male there's and no female distinction in between, between men and women for some of these roles. So, um. I think that the the question would be best answered if we say like where do we as a church uh, and again there's there's differing levels of opinions but you know our opinions I guess uh, where would we land on that women in ministry so let me maybe I'll read two passages kind of back to back that are the ones that are most often quoted to me uh, from people that we love dearly First uh, Timothy chapter two. Uh, verse 11, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority or over a man. Rather, she's to remain quiet for Adam was formed first. Then Eve and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor, dress, transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So mainly the first part of that. Yeah, let's not touch 14 and 15 because that's, that's like be four like podcasts in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> but mainly the idea of like, you got to learn quietly. I don't permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. You remain quiet. And then 1 Corinthians 14 verse uh, 34 basically says, as in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches for they're not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law also says. So those two verses are often uh, quoted to me saying women in the church can teach other women and they can teach children, but that's kind of it. And when we gather on Sundays, uh, they're kind of just supposed to be quiet, even though... You might believe it, but you actually don't fall. No one follows that. Yeah, yeah nobody. Yeah. Well, no, there, there are I some. There are yeah, some. I should say some. that there yeah. are some. But even people in our church who kind of hold that view, I'm like, you're you you still let your wives talk in church though, so you don't actually follow it, right? Yeah. So that's what I meant. Um, but that's kind of the thing. So what does Paul mean? Like, can, and they would say, you know, all of the elders at North Peace Emmy Church are men. Um, in the last eight years. Well, maybe let, let's touch the, the eldership question, maybe. Yeah. Because we can read some of those texts, maybe after we wrestle yes. through yeah. some of this a little bit. Yeah, so all the elders are men, and then for the last eight years, at least, that I've been here, there hasn't been a Sunday morning where a woman has preached mm-hmm. on a Sunday. Yeah. yeah. And and yet, there's been times when women have taught in different... So that, I think people are just kind of like, oh, what, what's, what's the rule? <laughs> Tell totally. me what to do. Where's my box? <laughs> yeah, 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 I just yeah, yeah, sit in yeah. my box. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, here, I'll tell you, this is where I have landed after you know, doing study and um, lots of reading and thinking and praying. I, I believe that you know, 1 Timothy 3 talks about the role of, of elder in the church. And he talks about... Um, an, an overseer or an elder must be above reproach, husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone doesn't know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation 
of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil. So there's all of this masculine language. He has to do this. He has to do that. And then it says an elder is the husband of one wife. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's fairly clear, in my opinion, that the role of elder, which is kind of the spiritual overseer, we're the shepherds of the church. God has said men should do that. And right away, I know that people are like, well, that's not fair. Any man can do it. No, 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 no. Have you read the list? Yeah. This this eliminates 95% of men from the role yeah. too. Yeah. It's like not just any Joe Blow can go be an elder of a church. Like yeah. It's someone who for lack of a better word, has like proven themselves. And people will be listening to this and they'll say, well, I knew this elder and he totally should be an elder. Yes. Yeah, that's right. There's yeah, many true. churches who have elders that you're that like, should not be this elders. person should not be in any sort of spiritual authority. Yeah. So I think yeah. the role of elder, which is kind of the spiritual authority, the shepherding role, um, the, the elders really set the... The, the theological direction of the church. They guide, this is what we believe, this is how we interpret scripture. And it seems to me that God says, I want men to be in that role. Um, I don't know, thoughts jump in. Am I wrong? Because <laughs> so, so then I think that primarily then the preaching that happens on a Sunday morning, and we'll get into this, is different to me than just teaching that takes place in the church. Yes. So I, I would agree. So I wasn't always a complementarian. Like I was an egalitarian earlier on. Oh, I, I know. knew I didn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> I tricked you. No. <laughs> uh, so that was like, that was my initial starting point. Cause yeah, it just doesn't make sense. But when you, when you don't bring what you think is the truth to the word of God and rather let context and the word actually bring the meaning forward, it became more and more clear to me that no, like, no, there are distinctions. There is clear differences between men and women in the way that God would have us uh, integrate within the church and within the home and how that, you know, all shakes out. Now, I think when we're dealing with those two texts that that you're talking about, so this, the First Timothy 2 yeah. as well as the uh, First Corinthians text, so they're a little bit different, but let's just take them one at a time really quick. I'm yeah. not going to go into a whole thing here, uh, but... The, the second, the first Timothy two text, um, if we just, again, context is king. So let's just, we should never read a verse. We should always read at least a paragraph. So let's just back up a little bit and we're not, we're not going to read everything now just yeah, because yeah. of time. And, and this isn't maybe the exact teaching <laughs> zone. That's like best to, best to learn all these particular things. But, yeah. but as we look at this let's say, okay, so what is the issue here? And if we look at say verse eight, I'm um, talking about men, I'm um, lifting their hands without without anger or quarreling. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so we see this context that there's there's frustrations, there's unruliness happening uh -huh. within the gathering of God's people. Yeah. So the context of this that we can understand, well, there's a whole bunch more reasons we can jump into this, but it, it's not that women should, first of all, it does say that women should learn, so that, that's great, but it says it's not that they should learn quietly, like silent. We're not talking about that. Let's, we'll deal with the next passage after. Yeah. Quietly does not mean not speaking. Yes. Okay, here, quiet in the Greek the word means un not unruly. Yes. It's talking about the same thing they're talking about with the men. There's not to be. There's supposed to be order. There's supposed to be yeah. uh, submission and quietness happening as we're learning and as we're actually engaging with what's being taught. It's a wonderful thing. It does not mean silent. So this text here is abused in, in many different ways. Yeah. Now it does say, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Now what's the context of this passage? Yeah. We're talking about he says to Timothy, like a leader in the church, all yeah. like very significant one. We're talking about elders and all these sorts of things. And as we do, so we're talking about those who are the primary uh, teachers of the doctrine and theology over the church. Yeah. That's what's in view here. It's not outside the church. It's not in conferences. It's not the context is the local church body yeah. and who are giving direction towards the theology and doctrine of the church. Yeah. Right. And so that's that's the the view. That's the context that we're in here. So as we approach this text, we need to say, okay, so it, it's not saying that women can have no part in in any kind of teaching right. or any any of those sorts of things. It says, yes, they need to be uh, an exercise authority. So what's that mean? Again, we're talking about the context of eldership. We're talking about the context of the local church. So yeah. they shouldn't be an elder, which again, there's other passages that make that clear. Like you, you started to go into that. But so this passage suddenly doesn't mean that women just need to be silent. They can't teach in any way. We're yeah. talking about, so in my view, like so in, at Creekside, 
Um, yes, preaching will be reserved for myself or others that I'm like, yes, this person's been trained and they're one of the elders. That's what's going to be reserved to because I think that's the one of the primary ways in which the people of God are brought forward, like the theology and the doctrine of the church of what scripture actually says. Yeah. Um, probably, and this isn't like, this has to be, I probably, I would reserve the theology class we're going to run. Probably I would reserve that for myself to teach or someone else that would be uh, a man like another one of the elders, because I think mm-hmm. that's the same kind of realm. Yeah. But that's, again, the local church context and what we're dealing with. Now, apart from that, there's many people who would say women can do... They can't be at conferences. They shouldn't yeah. be teaching that. Oh, a, a marriage conference. No, only a man can be up there. I think that's very unhelpful. I don't think it's actually from scripture. Yeah. And I think it, it actually really diminishes women in their God-given roles. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah. I, I'll just say, this is probably going to annoy some people. That's okay. <laughs> so Join the, the club. The, one of the people who was most instrumental in my ability to break apart scripture well is a woman. And she was one of the primary people at Mm. Northview who taught a myriad of the people who came through there. And she has spent a very long time under phenomenal direction, learning herself how to do it well. And she is unbelievable. There's any guy who comes up here and is like, well, she shouldn't be doing it because I could do it better. No, you can't. can't. She is so much better than me at looking at a piece of scripture and getting to exactly what the author means in that particular situation. She's phenomenal. And I owe so much to her. So people who say, no, you can't be like, oh, a man who's a pastor shouldn't be taught by a woman in any regard. It's just, that's trash. I don't see it in scripture. I think it's abuses women in general. General in their God-given ability to move forward and learn and yeah. grow in spiritual things. Yeah. So for me, yeah, like I said, I believe that the 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 preaching role it carries a different amount of weight than like uh, you know our what is the Bible and how do you read it course. Yeah. Not that it's mm. not that yeah. it's that's not important. Yeah. But there is some kind of, and and someone said yeah and that that you know talking about the husband having like your knees should quake at the responsibility given to you. Yeah. Same yeah. as anyone who stands in the pulpit. Yeah, amen. Because yeah. James says, like, those who teach, you're actually going to be judged even stricter. So if, you, if you're if you a preacher, mm. like, you're going to stand before God and he's going to judge you even stricter because you were teaching with authority his people. But I think, too, you see examples in Scripture of w- women teaching men as well, but not in like a okay church gathered the preaching. You think of Priscilla and Aquila who took yep. Apollos aside yep. privately and said, "We're going to teach you a better way to understand this stuff." Yeah. And it do- it doesn't say that the husband taught and the wife just kind of made the they snacks. did it together. It's like no, they they taught Apollos both yeah. of them saying, yeah. eh, "You're you're off a little bit, Apollos. Let's teach you," and that's perfectly fine. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. No. So. Uh, I'll even use a really practical example because someone was like, uh, you know, Emily is going to help teach some of this course. And they mm-hmm. said, uh, but it says here that you're not yep. supposed to exercise yep. authority over a man. But I said, but you're miss, it doesn't say that a woman can never teach a man anything. Yeah. And for Emily to go, hey, this is what I've learned from 50 years of following Jesus. Mm. I think we should probably listen to her. Like, yeah. it's yeah. kind of arrogant to be like, I have nothing to learn from you because yeah. I'm a man. Even I remember Cam, who's doing um, some, uh, he's one of our elders. He's doing his, uh, I was going to say PhD, but he's not that smart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> his master's. Yeah. And he said one of his professors is teaching him like, you know, original language, g- culture, and she's a woman. And he says, this woman is infinitely smarter than me. Yeah. And for me to take First Timothy 2 and go, well, I can't listen to you because you're a woman. He's like, that's just so foolish to say. Yeah. And, and then, again, and then, again, it's foolish then, be, not because the world yes. would say or experience would say it's foolish. It's foolish because Scripture doesn't directly address that particular thing. Totally. Again, why is spiritual headship um, in the home linked to this spiritual headship within the church is because we're dealing with the same sort of thing. It's that yeah. ability and responsibility that rests upon the man that is like, I kind of wish I didn't have that on my shoulders because <laughs> yeah. that's a heavy weight. <laughs> and my goal, not my goal, my the thing I must do as charged by Christ is to lay my life down yeah. that my wife would thrive and glorify God. So that's yeah. just yeah. like, that's, that's kind of where we're coming from here. And we should maybe just touch on for a moment. The, the other passage, yes, the first Corinthians one before we, yes. we uh, so women should keep here. silent in the churches. They're <laughs> so, not permitted to speak. That's right. 
That's right. So done, right? So it's funny, though, because Paul, like a few chapters earlier, is like, yes, women pray, prophesy. And it's like, wait. Exactly. And I, that's it, the local gathering that, yeah, like, yeah. that we're talking yeah. to. So you can't come from a place where they should not speak or open their mouths or any of those things. It's not biblical. Uh, so what is Paul getting at here? That should be our question. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we come to something in Scripture and we're like, hmm, that seems perhaps strange. We don't just say it's wrong because maybe it's right and it's just our flesh pushing it back. But we need to look at the context and the yep. context of this is a church that is out of control. Mm-hmm. Completely out of control. Yeah. They are rejecting authority. They have false teachers. They're in sexual immorality. All these things are rampant within the church. There's no order to the services. And so what Paul is trying to do is be like, we have to begin by maintaining some amount of order. <laughs> yeah. And in particular yeah. in this Corinthian church, the women are rising up in very un unruly ways. So he's trying to address these things. And yeah. He's like, okay, you know what? We're shutting that down. Yeah. We're shutting this down. This is descriptive of what needs to happen in this church at this time, but it's not prescriptive for all time, for all yeah. people. We need to understand the difference of those two yeah. things. So I would just ask then, why then does Paul say, as in all the churches of the saints, mm. the women should keep silent in the churches? Because he kind of, it's so I've heard it say, like, see, Paul says, all the churches, yeah. that's everywhere, all time, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so I've, as, as you read the context, though, if you just back up a little bit, Paul is talking about orderly worship. Yeah. Yeah. And he's saying that um, if anyone speaks in a tongue, uh, there, there's another podcast, let there be <laughs> only two or at most three in each in turn and let someone interpret. And if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. Mm. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. So first of all, Paul's telling a whole bunch of people to shut up in church, yeah. yes. not just women. He's like, yep. shut yes. up. And I think he would do the same today if yeah. he saw it today. Mm. And then it says, you can all prophesy one by one so that you may all learn and all be encouraged and the spirit of prophets are subject to prophets. For God's not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent. So I've actually, I've, I've, I think there's something here where, and it's different of how we do services. Uh, pr- people would stand up and say, I have a prophetic word from God. And sometimes that would be people that traveled, right, to, to different churches to give words from the Lord. And then they would judge what was said. And they would go either, like he says that, like, um, uh, you weigh what is said, verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. And so you think about, okay, if elders, the role of elder is the, where the spiritual authority in the church, well, if someone's going to stand up and be like, hey, I have a message from God, who would be the ones who are like, we're going to weigh what was said, mm-hmm. I think Paul maybe is saying when it comes to weighing what the prophets say and saying, is this actually from God or not? Women should be silent during that time. Because it's kind of follows right after that. Yeah. So I don't think he's saying like, yeah, women, you're not allowed to say anything because he already told women, pray, prophesy. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me that the idea of who are the ones who are going to decide and weigh out, is this actually a word from God or not? It seems to me that Paul's saying that belongs to like the spiritual leaders. Of, uh, the spiritual leaders. It's yeah. not for you, women. You can be mm-hmm. you can be quiet during that time. Yeah. And eighty percent of the other men too, or whatever, right? Yeah. I don't know. Corlin, thoughts. I yeah, I think an interesting conversation and like like what we had mentioned before, the idea that context is key in the sense of why Paul is writing these letters. They are corrective letters to an action that is taking place that should not be taking place that is hurting the church. Yeah. Right? This is also only one end of the phone conversation, right? This is one string of text. It's not we don't get the reply from the church. We don't see what they do in response directly, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's important to consider. I think that when we see these texts um, as humans, we are fundamentally intrigued by details. We love the details and things. Why else do we make intricate pieces of art, of, of machinery, whatever it is, right? So that it works well and each piece plays a specific role. It's true, they do. But if you get stuck in those details, you forget to look at the whole thing, mm-hmm. right? So I think that when we read passages like this, we get stuck on a word like submit, and then we throw out the whole passage because there's one thing that we yeah. might not fully understand the context of that word or how Paul would use it yeah. or how the author would use it. So I think it's really dangerous to just read these things literally as prescriptive for the church today simply because these weren't written to the church today. Now, that being said, 
I would also say that there is a lot of wisdom in what Paul is saying, even like what we pointed out to with Genesis and how we see that there is different roles for both men and women. If you take what you see in scripture and you hold it up as a mirror to the world, you see evidence of that, that there is order in God's people that they are called to bring into the world of chaos, right? right? And so that order looks structured in a specific way. It's not that we, uh, yeah, to, to say as a soft complementarianist, I wouldn't say that that's dangerous to, to for anyone who's really complementary, like strong to that side, um, because they have their context in which they have the society that they're living in, the oppression that they were under, all of those different things play into how Paul was trying to help his church navigate living, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even even if we go to 1 Timothy 2 again, there's uh, evidence now that there was uh, female leaders of other religious sects within that area of the world, and they were coming into the church as new converts and assumed that they, they could take roles of leadership. Mm. And Paul squashes that. He says, no, that's not how we do that here. Yeah. So, of course, he's going to have to write corrective things if there's stuff happening in the church that shouldn't be. Totally. Um, and he does consistently point back to Genesis within other examples within his text, right? Even in Romans, you have the classic example of how sin entered through Adam and then, you know, redemption through Christ for all people. Uh, He does that consistently, even with the imagery of men having headship. So I think that there is a very, very strong case to show that there should be male leadership within the church as designed by God. Mm. But like what we were saying already so much, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse. That leadership is a huge responsibility, and every one of those leaders, I can guarantee, and and you and I have talked about this some, and I'm sure David would agree with this, the conversations that those elders and pastors have with their wives, the wives are still involved. They just don't hold that role, right? Like I know for myself, and I've told some of the youth this who are asking questions about this, you better believe that everything that I teach, I run by my wife to see if this is actually... Like if it makes sense or or if there's things that I should maybe approach differently because God has graciously given her to me to help me, yeah. right? And and so it seems incredibly foolish. Even if you look at uh, a couple of other texts, if you look at how Jesus navigated ministry around women, nowhere do we see that Jesus pushed women away, just like people know that Jesus didn't push children away, right? The first the last people at the foot of the cross were women. The first people to the tomb were women, right? Women were the only ones who had encounters with spiritual beings at the tomb. When the men went and checked, they didn't. Mm -hmm. The women were told by those beings to go and tell the men, right? So to say women have absolutely no role is just, complete and utter stupidity in my opinion like it's misreading the text Ooh, to such wow. to such an extent that spicy. like it just doesn't make sense yeah but that being said again if the pendulum swings the entire other way it's foolish to read scripture to say that women have absolutely no role because we just don't see that paul accredits many many women and working alongside him in ministry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to various degrees right totally. so to say that women have no role is just foolish um, Boom. Yeah, and, and as we just to close this up, there's a bunch more time we could spend on these things. When we <laughs> when, when we when we look at something like a statement like that, that women should remain silent, like just like all the churches, it's not that we should come to it with our own presuppositions to say, well, it can't mean that possibly because this yeah, this yeah, isn't. Yeah, yeah. We should look and say, hey, Paul doesn't say that. He says different things in other. Things. Yep. So what's yes. Paul getting at? Yeah. And what's as we look at these it? things, we be like, oh look, there's a whole bunch of things which we don't have time to get into now. But the the Greek word for woman and wife is the same. So oh, is he saying specifically yeah. married yeah. people? Uh, so if you're a wife, then it should be your man that's the one that's speaking up. Perhaps that's what's yeah. oh, perhaps we're talking about something like um, when it talks about. Uh, like permitted to speak and things like that. Is it is that permitted to speak actually? Like, is it referring to teaching? Hmm. Like, they're, they're not allowed to speak in that way. Like, it can't. So, like, there's so many um, other things we could talk about in this thing, but just be assured that what's not being said is that women cannot speak and have no role in any way within the church because that is unbiblical yeah. and I would say demonic. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> We're okay. dropping bombs now. All right. You're well, getting we fired solved, up. Well, we solved it. it. I said it. <laughs> yeah. So, I think around North Peace, 
and maybe Creekside. And yeah, a- angry emails can be sent to David at Creekside. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I'm g- love to read every one of your angry emails. No problem. No problem. Here. I always do that. Cameron dot gmail.com. Um, so around North Peace Amy Church and probably Creekside, yeah, you'll see uh, male elders. You'll see male preaching on Sunday, but you'll also see women teaching in different areas. And that's not because it's like we don't care what the Bible says. It's because we deeply care what the Bible says. And Mm -hmm. we want to uh, use the giftings that God has given women to build up the body of Christ. So I even think about like I I sat with your mom in my office and she was like, and I hope I can share this, but whatever, I'll I'll ask for forgiveness. (laughs) But she she was like, am I allowed to teach this thing? Like, Mm. should I just not? And I said, no, I'm like, I'm so excited to hear what you have to say. Like, you've been a follower of Jesus like three times longer than I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you have things to teach us. And you're not usurping authority and disobeying scripture because it's not the context of what Paul is talking about. Even the fact that she would come and ask that. Yeah, it shows. And she says, not a hill to die on. So if you don't want me to teach, then I won't. I said, no, I do. I I really do. I'm excited to actually listen. So... So we solved it, I think, right? <laughs> Done. <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> yeah. But uh, hopefully that helps. And the reason we wanted to, to record it is just because, yeah, it's been a topic that's come up lots lately. Yeah. And just with a wide range of views, it was just kind of like, well, David's here. I'm curious to hear what he has to say. Mm-hmm. Well, Corland, <laughs> Corland, Corland, uh, he's a pastor. <laughs> He's got nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he really? What does he do around here anyway? Uh. So, yeah, if that was helpful, that's great. And thanks for listening. And uh, we'll record another one of these next week. God bless. Bye.